We're excited to kind of tag into this series that Pastor's been in. Uh, have you enjoyed this Relationship Miss series? Yeah. It's been really, really good and, and challenging. And so Pastor invited uh, Elaine and I to speak uh, kind of from the perspective of marriage. Um, we've been in one for a while, so maybe we got a couple things we could share with you that would be helpful. Um, and, and really, today, the, the challenge is certainly we're going to be talking from our experiences. And the wonderful thing about uh, speaking, if you've ever done this, is that God allows you to share your stuff with people. So um, you, can, uh, you can engage knowing that we're going to be sharing some, some vulnerable stuff in, in an effort to help you uh, learn from some of our, our experiences. Uh, but just engage with us today. And if you're not married, that's okay too, because some of the things we'll be sharing will be really helpful no matter where you're at. Um, and, and especially if maybe you're wanting to be married someday, uh, or if you have been married and looking to be married again at some point in the future. And so uh, just connect with us and engage with us. It's going to be a lot of fun because uh, we don't even know exactly where we're going. So you guys come along on the ride with us. There's no telling what we might say, <laughs> but we want to make it fun. We want to make it serious and fun all together. But I do want to introduce us uh, for some of you who may be new to Pathway. You don't know who we are. Uh, we are Mark and Elena Strait. Mark is the executive pastor here at Pathway, and I'm his wife, Elena. I serve a lot. I, I'm, not, I'm not on staff here at Pathway, but I do serve in children's ministry and the women's ministry and the marriage ministry. Any way I can connect here at Pathway, we are involved. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about our family. We have a picture that we can show you. This is uh, a fall picture of our Aww. family. Uh, so we have two kids. We have Jackson. He's 20 years old. He's at Kilgore College. Uh, he'll fin finish up in the spring. And then we have Kara. She's 16. She's a junior uh, at school involved in all the stuff, volleyball, cheer, all the stuff. She keeps us, like, super, super busy. Uh, <laughs> I know. You think it's hard when the kids are really little, but it gets even more challenging when the kids get older. I think we run around more now than we did when they were Anybody little. in the room identify with that? <laughs> Amen. Right. Um, so just a little bit of background about Mark and I and how we met and how we got married. So our dads were best friends growing up and we always knew who each other were. We were aware because we were in the Assemblies of God and we had youth rallies together. So we would see each other and all that kind of stuff, but never really talked or connected. And um, so one one week, his dad and my dad, who are both pastors, they had church in this area, decided, hey, we want to have a revival service and let's try to get our kids together. I mean, total reason to have a church service, right? Is to get your kids to hook up, right? And uh, so they had a service one Friday God, night. God can bless anything. That's so. right. And so they had a service one Friday night, and Mark and I kind of met and talked that night, and it, it worked. Our parents were like, oh my gosh, we didn't think it would work, but it worked. <laughs> and so we started dating on March 14th of 1997. We got married exactly a year later on March 14th of 1998. So in March, we'll be married 25 years. Together, 26. A quarter of a century together. Yay! And it's been a fun ride ever since then. So we're excited to talk to you guys tonight a little bit about our experiences. And this is what we've learned. This is how what we've learned to have a successful marriage. And we just want to share it with you guys today. Yeah, so let's just pray before we get started. Father, we thank you for opportunities like these. And, and we do come to you today with hearts of thanksgiving. I ask that you'd speak to each and every one of us, that we'd be open to hear and to see exactly what you have for us to take away from this day we put our full faith in you and look forward to all the things to come and the fruit from it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So I'm going to give you a little disclaimer off the top, okay? 
because Elaine and I, you know, we've been married almost 25 years now. There's a, there's a lot of things when pastor asked us to speak that we sorted through. And we could do a series, probably a 52-week series on marriage, uh, what not to do, some what to do. And so we prayed significantly into like, what, is, what do you want us to share this weekend? And so uh, some of the topics or part of the topic of what we're going to cover today uh, includes topics on sex. So we're not going to get graphics, so don't worry. It's all G. It's all G. But it is something we both felt convicted about to, to share from our, a little bit from our story. So I say that to say if you have little ones with you, that's coming. Um, and if not, you're good. And, and our promise to you is that it won't be awkward, but it will be helpful. So uh, just kind of keep that in your remember as we kind of uh, progress through today. But with that, we're going to jump right in. Right. As we were, like we said, praying about this week and what we wanted to share, um, we wanted a message. Of course, it's relationship myths. That is what we're talking about these last few weeks. And so the myth that we wanted to tackle was marriage is easy when you find the one. And laughter rang out. <laughs> how many, how many can, yes, not, it's not easy when you find the one. So this is what we're going to talk about today. And we have three, well, we actually have two. We had three, but we talked way too much, so we had to count it, cut it down to two. So we have two things that, points that we're going to talk about today. And the first one is communication is easy when you find the one. So Pastor Marty, uh, taught a great message last week on communication and conflict resolution. So we're not going to recap that. I would point you back to it. If you missed it, please watch that message. Um, but we're going to approach it from the angle of our experience and from some of our struggles uh, in this from the context of marriage. And so just to, to connect you to that, um, probably the most helpful thing that we could lead off with is you know understanding the differences between men and women and how we relate to each other. And specifically, I, from my side of it, one of the things that Elaine and I really struggled with on the front end of our relationship was when we had those conflicts and we had those moments of tension that, that would develop, my tendency was to get super defensive. And you heard Pastor talk about last week, and I think you've heard us even mention before, if you, if you start out a, a conflict on opposite sides, that's where you'll end. And how many typically start there, right? All of us, because we think we're defending our home turf or we feel like we have to go into the, the courtroom, you know, uh, together to plead our case. And so, you know, part of our experience has been initially doing it really wrong, which in my, in my seat was, it was very easy for me to get hyper defensive and feel like I had to go into defend mode and I had to, I had to be right. And so I had to overcome this opposition. And so the... The first, the first big thing that we would underline and highlight that came out of last week's message is, A, start on the same team. If you start on the same team, you'll end on the same team. And learn, learn that it's not about winning or losing individually. It's about winning together. Right. And a lot of things, you know, like when he would get defensive, I mean, sometimes it was my fault because I am very expressive. If you know me, you know that. And so when we would get into arguments, I would get this tone. You know, I know some of us, maybe women, we can identify, we get this tone, I get this body language, I get these eyes rolling, you know, like, what did you say? You know, maybe point that finger, 
And all of those things are really things that I've had to watch and work on because when he would get defensive or we'd get in an argument and he would get in a defensive, I would get defensive, then I would start the body language. And, and so I had to really watch that. I mean, this is definitely a conflict that you can have in communication when it comes to being defensive, body language, tone, eye rolling, you know, definitely something I've had. I'm not a master at it yet. See, I'm not a master. I'm not a master of it yet, we're, we're but definitely something I'm working on. than we've ever been. Still a work in progress. <laughs> Definitely a work in progress, but it's something that you have to work on when you are communicating. Yeah, and you know, how many have had this experience where you say something and what is repeated back to you isn't really what you said, oh. or maybe what you thought you said? He said, What? You said what? I didn't say that. Some of our most significant conflicts oh have gosh. been that issue, and because it's like, What'd you say? I'm like, uh, I said this. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You said this, and we'll spend 30 minutes. Uh, hashing out the what was really said. Oh my gosh, um, we've had some knockdown dragouts on that one topic right there. This is a so we put this as a conflict. Anyone else in this room identify with, with this? Okay. Thank All you. Right. We are not alone. So we were sitting in the living room the other night and we were talking about this. We kind of had our notes out and he had football going and we were talking about potential conflicts when it comes to communication. And um, we're as I don't watch football. I mean, I, I watch enough. If to have, you spend enough time around her, you'll know this pretty quickly. But she made the effort. I she did was make making the effort. the effort. He had to tell me what to say on this point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we were watching football, and it was a point of the game where the referee comes out and he throws the flag, and he was just to the point, like unsportsmanlike conduct. 15-yard penalty, replay, first down. And I was like... Good job, babe. That I know, really I got good. it. I didn't even look at my notes. Aren't you guys proud of her? Yeah, I didn't even look at my notes. Hallelujah. You should have heard the first round. He's like, that's not even a play. I was, I was like, like that's, that's not a thing. That, that's <laughs> not actually a thing at all. What do I say? <laughs> and so, but the point was, is I looked at him and I'm like, you know, in relationships, how awesome would it be if you just had a flag and you could just throw it and just go, flag, flag on this play, uh, go to your room, five minutes, we'll, con we'll convene in a minute. You know, like, wouldn't that be great if we could adapt that in our marriage sometimes when it comes to conflict? And so he was like, you know what, there's actually a commercial about that. And so we wanted to play the commercial for you. So here it goes. Hey, sweetie, I'm not seeing the life jackets. Well, you should, you packed them. No, you packed them. No, you packed them. You said I won't forget to pack the life jackets. I won't forget jackets. to pack the life jacket. I, I'm sorry, I have to. I have to challenge that. Well, you do have one left, so. <laughs> this what really happened replay is brought to you by Progressive. One thing no one would challenge: protecting your home and auto with Progressive. You know, my favorite part was when you said, "Obviously, I won't forget to bring the life jackets." <laughs> did you get the princess? Yeah, I did. I thought you how how many of you would love instant replay? Yes. In relationships. <laughs> How many of you would not want instant replay in your <laughs> But if you did, you could solve a lot of conflict that comes out of what he said and what she said. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I had both realities. I had the thought, that would be, no, that, I don't think that would be good at all. Um, but, but one of the things that illustrates that we kind of want to point out to you that you've actually heard us talk about before, and I know pastors talked about this before also, uh, comes from Ephesians chapter 5. And just real quickly, you all know this, but I just want to point out uh, the most important part for this piece of our, our time together. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Notice there it says, Husbands, love your wife 
and says to wives, respect your husband. It doesn't say love your husband. It doesn't say respect your wife. Why is that? Because that is the way that we relate to each other. That is the, the mode of communication. That's how we hear. So like in our experience, what we were just sharing with you, when Elaine would get a little bit sharp and gritchy, what, what I, what I, how I would react to that, <laughs> how I would react to that was out of feeling disrespected or dishonored. I felt attacked. doesn't necessarily mean even all the time that that's what she was doing. It just meant that because that's how men and women relate, husbands and wives, we have to understand if we're going to have successful communication and successful conflict resolution with each other, we have to speak the language to each other. On the other side of that, what I was doing was speaking insecurity to her because out of my reaction and my defensiveness and my shutting her down, what I was saying is you're not, you don't matter. What you have to say isn't important or it's not right. And so how many know that we had a counselor friend this one time that called it the dance. Anybody ever had the dance in your relationships? It's that thing that you do. You get stuck in. And so I push your button, you push my button, I push your button, you push my button. And before you know it, we're doing the thing. Anybody else ever had one of those experiences? Look straight ahead. Um, <laughs> let me say that. But we have to, if we're going to succeed in our relationships in general, but certainly between husbands and wives, we have to learn to speak that language. And so that was part of our story. We did it wrong a yeah. long time before we started figuring out how to get it right. That's right. I mean, and, and a lot of times when it comes to handling conflict, it's what did you see? Like, what did you see growing up? How was conflict handled in your home growing up? That's the way it was for me. I had only seen conflict really handled one way. When it came to conflict with us, I, respecting him in an argument was never even a thought on my mind. It was like, I'm going to win this point, and then we're going to be done with this. You know, but there was no respect until, you know, now in the age that we live in, we have podcasts and we have books and, you know, and, and resources. We have so many resources available to us to help our marriages. But, you know, when I, when I understood that even within argument and conflict that I can still respect him, it was really a game changer in our marriage. I mean, we would have, you know, one of the things we always said in our marriage when we started out is we will never scream and yell. That's just not something that we're going to have in our marriage. And we said it from the beginning. You know, we're going to... Now, some of them I get very heated and very pointed in conversation when we, we argue. Might, we might hit the boundary you know, line We, we hit the boundaries, but we're not going to scream. We're not going to yell. And it's not something that we really wanted to do in front of our children either. Um, and so for us, I mean, there was a time when we were having arguments and some conflict. And there, there was one point in our marriage where... I went out, I, we were in an argument, and I was like, you always, da-da-da-da-da, and you never, da-da-da. And we've said this before when Trigger. we've spoken. Trigger. Trigger. And, and he said, he was like, you, what you don't understand is when you use the words always and never, that is a hot spot for me, and I totally do not hear anything else you say after that. And I just sat there, and I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like, he had never shared that part with me before. And so, and he said, it's not true. I don't always Da, 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 or I don't, I never, that, those aren't true statements, and so you can't really say that. And it caused me to step back and evaluate and change how I approached him. Now, I didn't want to change, right? Change is never easy. When it comes to conflict, you're always right. You don't want to change. But I realized at that point that I really had to change the way we approached our conflict. And so the next time we got in a disagreement, instead of nagging him or going at him, I took a step back 
And I would go to my room, and I probably wouldn't even tell him about it, but I'd go to our room. I remember specifically going to my room, going into the restroom one day, and just going, okay, God, like, this really hurt my feelings. Like, this really upset me. How do I handle this? How can I handle this so that when we talk about it, we're productive, you know, that we learn and we grow from this? And so it was like a day later, maybe, I went back and I said, hey, you know what? The other day you said this, and it really hurt my feelings. Can we talk about it? And then we ended up having a conversation like this. And we solved the conflict so easily, and it was a misunderstanding. But from that point on, it really changed the way that I looked at conflict and where we get in an argument. It changed it, changed it totally. Yeah, and you've, you've heard us say this before, too. It comes from Jimmy Evans, and uh, I think Pastor also said the same thing last week. Your, your conversations, especially your conflicts, will never rise above the first two minutes. So if you go in with, if you come in hot, right, the chances of it going well go down by a thousand percent. And one thing uh, Elena mentioned, I want to just draw attention to real quick, just felt a nudge. She mentioned that we didn't fight in front of the kids, and that's true. One of our commitments was not to have emotional, heated arguments in front of the kids, but we have conflict in front of the kids yeah. often because we want them to see how to solve it. We want to model it for them so that they, know, when they hit those spots, they recognize, okay, mom and dad... They, they, they can work this out together in a non-emotional, non-combative way. And I think that's really important, especially kind of in the day and age we live, because um, there's so many negative, you know, uh, sides of that coin that are seen kind of in culture. But part of what Elena is speaking to is, you know, you kind of have to have a plan going into the argument. And for us, again, we're, we're not saints here. We got it wrong a whole lot before we ever started figuring out how to do it right. Yeah. It's just now the difference is when I hit, when she hits my button or I hit her button, we can, we can stop. It's called self-awareness. And we can go, okay, that could just be me. So let me seek clarity, you know, and let me, let me seek understanding. And sometimes it does take, you know, going to your corners for a little bit to kind of cool off and get out of the emotion because emotion mixed into conflict can go sideways in a hurry. So if you can distance yourself from it and, and, and give yourself some clear air, um, a lot of times that'll allow you to catch your breath and go, hey, can we talk about that? And she did that for me. And that was something that she actually made the first major step in our relationship in approaching me because when she came to me it with that... It wasn't easy. It was yeah, not easy. When she came to me that way, it was completely disarming because it was inviting me to into a conversation. It wasn't a coulda, you shoulda, you didn't, you always, you never. It was a, hey, that really hurt my feelings. And I don't think you meant to, but can we talk about that? And it opened a place where, yeah, and every time I'm willing to have that conversation. And in that instance, it was a misunderstanding. It wasn't intentional, um, but we had to have that moment in order to find that truth. You see what I'm saying? So a few ways, you know, so a few ways to be successful in conflict and communication is, you know, discuss how you want to handle stress in your relationship. You know, if you've never done, no one, like, I, that wasn't talked about when I was younger when we got married. Like, hey, you're going to have conflict. When you have conflict, this is how you handle it. Discuss how you, in your marriage, even starting today, it doesn't matter if you've been married one year or 60 years. Discuss how you want to handle conflict, because it's going to arise. Um, have a plan for arguments. What? We're going to plan an argument? <laughs> when the argument comes, there's a plan on how we're going to handle it. I know it sounds counter whatever, yeah, to what you're used to doing, but you can have a plan. Like, you can talk about it beforehand. Um, and learn to compromise. I'll let you talk on that. Well, 
part, I think the, the easiest place to land this is you have to come in uh, and recognize that we've got to put our pride aside because if pride leads us into the competition, pride leads us into the you're right, I'm wrong, or I'm right, you're wrong. I guess that'd be nice too, but um, it leads us into those situations that will produce negative outcomes. So I have to to step in humility. That's what Elena did that day. She walked, she came to me in humility, willing to be wrong. Hey, this is what I felt. This is what I heard. Can we talk about that? And if you're to be successful, if you're struggling in that area, like, like we did, that's the best piece of advice I think that we could give you, you know, on that point today is just be quick to apologize. Because how many have been in a, a tense situation when there's an apology offered, all, the time, all of a sudden it just softens everything about the conversation, everything about the conflict. It allows for you, know, you to get out of, like you heard Pastor talk about lizard brain, the fight, flight or freeze. It allows you to get away from that and to start processing feeling and emotion in a, in a healthy way. So that's myth number one. We're talking about you know, marriage being easy when you find the one. Uh, myth number two that we're going to cover is intimacy is easy when you find the one. Anybody had that experience? <laughs> uh, it just, sounds easy. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, intimacy defined is just, just real simply, it's closeness or friendship. Uh, you heard Pastor mention last week, it's, it's into me you see. I'm allowing you into the deepest parts of me. And quite honestly, that takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. It happens as we progress in relationship. It kind of unveils itself in layers. Um, and, and trust is a part of that. As I'm able to trust more, I'm able to open more. If there's trust violation, it sets us back, and it takes more time. But just real simply, we're going to talk about intimacy from a couple of lenses. There's kind of the sexual intimacy, and there's non-sexual intimacy. And so learn from our pain today is what, we're, <laughs> what we want you to hear from us. Yeah, when we got married, um, definitely the intimate side of a marriage was it was not discussed, you know, growing up and in my home. And I had no idea that there was a sexual side and a non-sexual side of intimacy. No idea. I just thought it was the sexual side. And so, you know, when we got married, we kind of went into the, our marriage with our eyes wide shut, right? Um, it was not talked about. There was not resources. There was nothing. And so, you know, for me, um, going into our marriage, it was definitely a journey for us of learning you know, okay, how are we going to navigate this intimate side? You know, like here is just me, and now it's two people, and we've got to figure all this out. Well, and part of our our upbringing, and I yeah. think a lot of a lot of people can relate to this, especially kind of from our era or behind us. Uh, it's not only is it not really talked about, but when it is talked about, it's talked about in a very shaming way because you're hurt. It's dirty. You know, yeah. don't do that. It's it's sin, and so all the messaging you hear around that topic makes you, you know, kind of put out the, the block against it because it's off limits. It's not something we discuss in a healthy way, much less, you know, um, in a relational context. Yeah, like, but when God created marriage and he created a relationship between a husband and a wife, 
the sexual side of it is the foundation of your marriage. You know, when you get married, honestly, it's one of the first things you look forward to when you get married as a married couple, you know, is the sexual side of it. And so we want to talk about there's really four elements that make up an intimate relationship that you have with your spouse. And the first one is the physical intimacy. That's what we're talking about right now. We all know what the physical side of that of intimacy is. Of course, it's the sexual side, but it's also more than that. It's the holding the hands. It's giving each other kisses kisses and hugging and touch and all of that are make up the physical side of intimacy. Uh, for Mark and I going into it, like we said, we had a few obstacles that we had to overcome. Of course, for me being raised as a pastor's kid, all I, you know, what I heard about it growing up was it's wrong. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. You don't do this before you get married. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to hell. It's dirty, dirty, dirty. You know, like that's what you hear. You hear growing up, like it was repeated. I was like, I am not having sex before we get married. Like, you know, the ultimate sin, don't do it. And, uh, and so, but that's what I heard growing up. That's what was drilled into my head growing up. And so then all of a sudden, here we are, we can get married and, oh, it's great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. You know? And it's like, what? That's, that's a hard shift to make. <laughs> it's oh. a very hard shift to make, you know? And so definitely an obstacle that one of the obstacles that we had going into, you know, when we got married and intimate side, but also another thing for me that was really hard was, um, you know, we didn't want to have children right off. So like we, you normally do, you get on birth control because, you know, we didn't want to have kids for a while and it, it, birth control did not work for me. But no one had told me that. No one had sat down and talked to me about, okay, here's some of the repercussions that you could have from taking birth control. Here's some of the things you might experience. And so, you know, we go into this, you know, go into marriage. I've been on birth control for a while and I'm just not a happy person. Like I become like just this not happy person. I really didn't have a sex drive. I really. Which is just, really difficult <laughs> when you um, first, in your first year of marriage. Yes, just side note. Yes. I'm sorry. I've said it a thousand times. <laughs> But this is an obstacle that I had to deal with. It's something, you know, and so finally I had a friend and I was just talking to her one day about it. And she was like, hey, maybe that's not for you. Like, why don't you try getting off? And just, she talked to me about family life planning and it was really scary at first. But once I decided, hey, we're going to get off birth control, see if that changes my body, changes me. Um, within a few months, it was like a night and day difference. But it was me, you know, I had to talk to someone. I had to share my life with someone who could kind of speak into where I was. Um, but, you know, that might not be your case. I mean, you may have obstacles when it comes to having an intimate relationship with your spouse. It could be hormones. It could be maybe past abuse. It could be traumas. It could be a lot of things that you have to face when you are going into this type of uh, relationship with your spouse. But the important thing is, is if you find yourself in one of these places, find someone you can talk to, get help, you know, whether it's a pastor on staff, whether it's a friend, where, whether it's an outside counselor. Like if you find yourself in a relationship, an intimate relationship, and you are struggling with your spouse in this area, you know, get help, talk to someone. Well, and I think, I think it's generally true, maybe not universally, it's generally true that, that when you're talking about sex and its role in your relationships, it's one of the most difficult things to just talk about, right? It's difficult to be vulnerable about. You know, likes, dislikes, issues, problems, concerns, et cetera. Elena, has, our experience, especially that first year, I didn't know what she was dealing with and she didn't know what I was dealing with because we weren't talking about it. So we're suffering privately. Because on her side, she can't figure out why she's hot, cold, up, down, 
you know, feels like I'm the devil sometimes, like just stay away, <laughs> stay in your corner. Um, and I'm over here thinking, what did I do wrong? Like, I feel rejected. I feel like, did I do something wrong in my approach? Because I don't know, right? We didn't really, we, we were in circles at the time, especially church circles, it was mostly, you know, older people or people that we didn't really relate to well. And so there wasn't really a safe, easy place for us to go. And because, and, and not any knock against our parents because they were amazing, it was just that generation especially wasn't accustomed to covering that ground. It was just one of those things that was difficult to talk about. And so we, like she said, you, you just learn the hard way. And so kind of on this subject in particular, what I have found as a pastor and living in a pastor's home is this topic even today is one that couples really don't talk about. We, we suffer silently. And whatever the issues are, we just let the issues be and we just try to work around it. And what we found in our marriage that was, was a turning point because we didn't do it early on. Like I said, we, we struggled that first year. And I, I was having the feelings I was having. She was having the feelings she was having. And, ne- and neither one of us understood the other. Was over a, long, you know, over a longer period of time, certainly when we got off birth control and it, it kind of put her physio, you know, physiologically back in, in order, <laughs> things got better. But I, but I struggled with some of that stuff for a long time after until we got to a place in our marriage where we really could discuss it and start talking about it together. And yes, at first, it is a little awkward. Let's just be honest. But it's worth it, because the goal is to be in unity together. And the only way you can get there is by talking and and by sharing those deep, intimate parts of yourself. One thing that guys especially don't do well, honestly, we don't like to share this stuff in here, because we're fine, right? We'll get over it. We're big boys, you know, and we can pull up our big boy pants, and we can keep on going. The problem is this stuff follows us. And so a couple of things, you know, this came out of our discussion actually this week, uh, just four quick uh, keys to being successful when you're facing really any obstacle, but especially intimate-related uh, obstacles. Number one, be aware. Be self-aware. Evaluate kind of what's going on with you. Be willing to talk about it, number two. Talk about that with your spouse. Like, what's going on? Like, this is kind of what I'm feeling. This is kind of what's going on with me. What's going on with you? Um, be willing to do something about it. Because it's not enough just to know there's a problem. And this is where... That's, and, and, that's a big thing. Yeah. And then, and then number four is seek help. Yeah. So be aware of it. Talk about it. Be willing to do something about it and seek help. And this is where on my side of, the, yeah. of this, this issue that we've had over the course of our marriage, it really impacted more me and, and just the last two years. And this is, again, this is where we in the church world you know, kind of get to share some of our stuff with you to, to help you. Uh, but in all sincerity, I want you to really take this in because it was a part of our story, and I think it's a part of a lot of folks' marriage journeys. About two years ago, we talked about kind of early in our marriage, you know, uh, and typically, again, more generally true, guys' sex drives are super high at the front end in their 20s, and over time, it starts to decline. And so I guess it's God's joke on humanity that they never actually just stay together. <laughs> it's like ships passing in the night. Um, that's it. I don't understand that. When I get to heaven, that's one of the questions I'm going to ask is, why couldn't we just be together like the whole, the whole time? That'd be wonderful. But, but in all transparency, I started having a drop-off. I'm, I'm a couple of years from being 50. And don't it get was, us there yet. We still have like two years left. Well, we're 47, but... <laughs> Two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but 
What I didn't know, because I'd never covered this, you know, in any way, shape, or form, was that this is fairly common for guys my age, that once you get to this place, you start hitting kind of the decline. But it was subtle. And so on her side, it's this kind of a gradual change. But all of a sudden, she's starting to have questions about her. Why is he withdrawn from me? Why does he not want that as consistently as I do? And so she starts feeling a lot of the things I was feeling in year one. And I'm completely unaware of it because while I'm, I could process the reality of it being different, I wasn't, I wasn't in any way in my mind withdrawing from her or having those feelings towards her. It was just a reality. And so there was a day she came to me and said, hey, I, I really want to talk about this because I'm not sure what to do with it and started to share how she was feeling. And it, for me, it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I, I, I had no idea. That, that wasn't enough, though, because I've seen this way too often in married couples and a lot of them in the church. And I just want to speak honestly with you, but not from a place of condemnation. What I could have said is, oh, tough crap. Deal with it. Right. And I've seen that, not that verbiage, but I've seen that reality play out of marriages where it's like when it changes, well, that's just that is what it is. That's not how it works. You, too, become one. So when I started, when I was aware of what was going on with me, I went to my doctor and I started figuring out a way to adjust for that because I love her and because I want to be in unity with her. And because sexual intimacy is one, it is the, Jimmy Evans says it this way, it is the glue that holds the marriage together. It is, for, for women especially, it's, it's the thing that God gave you. It's a gift that draws him back to you. And you need that. And yes, there are exceptions, and there, there are health challenges, and there are, as you get up in, you know, in certain age ranges even, that becomes difficult or maybe impossible, and it's mutually you know, agreed together. But when I, what I'm talking about is more general, that because I've, 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 again, hear my heart, church, because this isn't condemning. I've, I've, I've ran into this outside of church. I ran into it inside of church, where one or the other gets to a place where it's like, that's just off the table. And if you want to kill your marriage, do that. Because it will, it's a slow, painful death, but it'll kill it. And I would offer you this scripture uh, because it's, it's, one, it's one of many I could share with you, but it's from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, chapter 2, or verse 2, rather. But because of the temptation to sexual, sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to her wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come back together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And again, please, I think you know our heart, but hear me on this. Maybe you haven't dealt with this yet. You probably will. Physiological issues, health issues included. We've had couples that we've known uh, in our circles that one in particular where the husband went through a really significant health challenge and he was no longer able to have intercourse. But they found ways to be intimate with each other in spite of it. And so you have to have a dogged determination to keep that as a priority in your marriage because it is the covenant. It's what cuts the covenant. God modeled his idea of marriage with our, his relationship to us. And so I don't think I could overstate it to say that if you're struggling in that area, it's okay. There's no condemnation. Just don't stay there 
because it's something that's not only so important to God, but it is really critical in your relationship with each other. Whew, so that was physical intimacy. Are y'all okay? <laughs> Yay! Uh, that, was, that was heavy. <laughs> uh, everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> See, that wasn't too bad. That was pretty good. Okay. So the first one is physical intimacy. The second foundational element is intellectual intimacy. And so what this means is just learning how to intellectually connect with your spouse. That is learning to enter their world and what is important to them. You know, conversation, you know, talking about things that maybe, like for me, I don't care about sports, but, you know, it means a lot to him. So I'm going to try to talk about sports because I can enter his world intellectually that way. Or And it's highly entertaining. When and you it's highly entertaining. I have, to make, I have to make it fun, right? But, I mean, I know that there are times within our relationship where, for those of you who don't know, this will be a big surprise. So Mark is very introverted, but he has to make himself be extroverted. I'm extroverted on all levels. All. So when he comes home from work, like with my job, I don't have a lot of interaction with people. And so when I get home, I'm like, hey, how's your day? What'd you do? Tell me every single detail. I want to know everything. He comes home from work and he's like, I have talked to da, everybody da. in the world. Give me two seconds. Like, give me, you know, give me some time. And so, but for, for us, it's just learning, you know, and for you guys, learning how to intellectually connect with your spouse, learn what they like, enter their world, um, know what interests them. And let's talk about those things that, you know, matter, you know, intellectually to each other. Well, and, and kind of on that point, you know, for what I had to learn, because just like she said, I would come home and just disconnect because I'm out of words for the day. Like I used them all. Right. Um, part of intellectual intimacy is pushing past that to just include her in my day. So she didn't want the play by play of everything that happened that day. Most of the time uh, she doesn't. But what she was wanting is to know that I, I was thinking about her and I wanted to include her. So what I had to learn to do was kind of build the Cliff Notes version of my day into my processing so that when that, and she would be gracious to let me have a little bit of downtime when I got home so it wasn't an immediate conversation. But after, you know, 30, 45 minutes or maybe after dinner, it's like, you know, hey, kind of what, what went on today? And, and me be able to kind of bring her into my day. We talk during dinner. Let's just, yeah. <laughs> not after dinner. We talk yeah. during dinner yeah. too. <laughs> And, and, and it wasn't difficult. I mean, for me, what she really, sometimes it's not even more than a few sentences, but it's just like, yeah, we kind of did this and this is what happened. And oh yeah, so-and-so kind of had, you know, this happened and there, we're praying for them. And, you know, but it was just the effort is kind of my point. It doesn't have to be writing a novel, um, but intellectually there's intimacy there because I'm intentionally letting her into what's going on with me, what's going on in my world. So, and so the third thing is we're going to go into emotional intimacy. So we have physical, intellectual, and emotional. This is supporting each other on an emotional level. We all have emotions, right? We all deal with emotions. And it, but it's learning how to connect with that person on an emotional level. Their feelings, like being aware of their feelings. How are they feeling? You know, understanding what they're feeling. If they're having a bad day, show sympathy. You know, if they're having a great day, Celebrate with them. Be vulnerable with each other. Learning how to open up and share from a vulnerable place emotionally. Now, this is challenging sometimes in relationships, depending on, you know, your character. But typically, it's easier for women to share their emotions. Typically, not all women, but typically, women share their emotions really easy. 
men sometimes have a harder time sharing their emotions. I am one of those, just so you know. He is one of those people. So um, it's learning, just learning how to emotionally connect with your spouse. And and I'll say this, you know, (laughs) I have a a counselor that I I go to fairly often. And one one of the exercises she had me do one time was name my emotions. And so, Mark, tell me about how you felt when that happened. And it was like, She's like, Mark, I've, I feel like we're hitting a pattern here where it seems like you have difficulty naming your emotions. And I was like, that would be true. <laughs> so, uh, which has led to some really helpful work on my part and really helped our relationship because I'm actually processing through that and allowing her, and that's part of this emotional intimacy part that's more difficult for guys. If at times, if I can tell her, yeah, I'm really struggling with this. That's not something I did well early in our relationship because I would just suck it up. And I would just present an image like, I'm fine, I'm good, when I'm not, I'm clearly not. Um, and she just got kind of give up, like, well, I guess that's as far as we're going. And so for guys, what I encourage you to do is it's not a sign of weakness to share your emotions. Um, you do have to be aware of what they are, which has been part of my journey <laughs> sometimes. But, but in, in being willing to, in those vulnerable moments, just say, yeah, I'm really struggling with this, or yeah, this... This really disappointed me when this happened, or this person went through this. This is how it affected me. And being able to share that. When you're talking about emotional intimacy, too, part of the, the picture I would, I would offer you to have for each other is represent the thermostat and not the thermometer. So if your spouse is going through a very cold time, warm her up. If she's going through a very hot time, cool her down. If she's going through a hot time, don't throw you know, gasoline. <laughs> and if she's in that, that cold place, don't freeze her out or hand her ice cubes. And we do that for each other. And, and it's not codependency. That's the unhealthy version of that. But what it is is being, it's awareness. It's, it's emotional intimacy that says, I know where you're at. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work to help you get here. Or I know you're down here. I'm going to work to get you up here. Does that make sense? at that. I have to say, you know, as we sit here, of course, stories, 25 years experience. Yes. Babe. An example that I can give you of, of this part of it really quick is so about four years ago, I had, I went through bilateral knee replacements. So I had both my knees replaced, which was really, really hard and challenging. But, and through that, you go through so many, um, you have the physical side of it, you have the intellectual, you know, your knees, and then the emotional side of not being able to do things, you know, not getting things fast enough. I was on a walker. It was the most painful thing I've ever been through. But he was that for me during that whole time. The moments when I would just cry my eyes out in pain, he was there for me. He helped me, you know, when I needed anything, he was just there the whole time to help keep me regulated, to keep me steady. And um, he just... Thank you, babe. I'm a work in progress. <laughs> yes. I'm slow, but I'm worth waiting on. <laughs> Very worth waiting on. So the last, last piece of that is spiritual intimacy, and it's the simplest, uh, but, but honestly, it's the most important. And that, that looks like our, our common faith. It's specific to Christians, you know, especially the importance it plays. But um, if we're not intentional about our growth in our relationships with God, it's kind of that picture of the triangle you've probably heard me mention before. If we're both pursuing God together, we can't help but grow closer together. If one of us stops growing, how many know if you're not growing, you're dying? So if you have one partner 
that's pursuing God and one that's not, it makes everything just tremendously more difficult. And the cornerstone of a healthy marriage is a healthy relationship with God. And it has to be both of you engaged. It doesn't mean you necessarily have to be in the same place, because that's very difficult um, to even imagine. But it means that there's an intentionality that we're both pursuing God and we're pursuing each other in the process. So really, um, you know, recognizing that Sometimes when you're talking about a devotional life together or praying together, that can be awkward at first. As a matter of fact, it is awkward at first. When we first prayed together, it's like, you know, your palms start sweating and you're like, oh, I don't know if, if I'm going to get these words right. And, well, it's and kind I, of like a vulnerable place that, uh, you know, you're sharing this vulnerable side of how you pray and your walk with God with them. And it can be a little awkward at first, but the Holy Spirit connects with it really fast. Yeah, and it... It, it gets, like, like many things, it gets easier over time. Yeah. It's just something that you have to, and it doesn't mean you have to get it right or perfect, or it doesn't have to happen every day at a certain time. I mean, certainly you want to have goals for that, but it's just something that you just have to intentionally set out to do and prioritize. And when you do that, it's yeah. amazing how much ground the Holy Spirit will help oh you gosh, make yes. up together, the things that he'll prick your heart about, the things he'll show you when you're, when you're listening to his voice. I mean, can you imagine, you know, your prayers are powerful and effective. That's what the word says. Our, pow- our prayers are pow- powerful and effective individually. But can you imagine the power that you possess as a couple when you come together as a couple and you pray together? Woo. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Sorry, got Preach excited it. on that one. Preach. Got excited about that. It's just, it changes. It's more powerful. So, go ahead. Now, just the, the more that you're intentional about that, uh, the more opportunities that you'll take advantage of, the closer you'll become, and ultimately the, 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 the tighter your relationship will be and your marriage will be. So, these have all been like four really great uh, foundational elements that we have when it comes to relationships. And I was listening to a podcast this week by Tim Ross. I don't, do, has anybody heard of Tim Ross? Do y'all know him? He has a great, he has a church uh, that he's a pastor of, but he also has this new podcast called The Basement. He gets real in those podcasts. And uh, we but can't one, cover that on Sunday. But one of the stories he was talking about was he was talking about when couples are in relationships, it's, it's a lot like the seasons. And this is what he said. He said, you know, I've never met one person who likes all four seasons, summer, winter, fall, spring. There's not one person who likes all the seasons. Either you like one season and you hate the other or vice versa. You love the spring, you hate the fall, you love the summer, you hate the winter. You know, there's one season you don't like. He said, but... The, our relationships with our spouse, they come in seasons. Like during, during your relationship, during your year, during your lives together, you have seasons where it's really good and maybe some that are just really, really hard and you struggle. But he said, just like you go through the seasons in nature, you know, you either, if you either bundle up or you strip down, but you wait out that season, right? If you don't like the winter, you're just going to bundle up and you're going to tough it out because you know summer's coming just right around the corner, Right. Summer's coming, you just strip it down and you wait it out till winter comes and then you can bundle it up. And he said, that's how our relationships are. You know, just hang on, just hang on because it's just a season. So either bundle it up or strip it down, but wait it out because, you know, in time you're going to enter a new season and you're not going to stay there forever. You just have to make it through it. Yeah, seasons change. It's, that's a constant. In, in East Texas, they change sometimes several times in a day. So, <laughs> Praise um, the Lord. So kind of in closing, this is what we want to leave you with. Um, I want to read a passage you're all familiar with, but in the light of what we're sharing today from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Does that sound easy to you? No. Marriage isn't easy. It's not for wimps. And one of the reasons we chose kind of this title and topic today is, you know, marriage is easy when you find the one. That is a myth. That is a lie. And it's an escape clause some people use to get out. Because when the work comes, it's like, well, it's just, it's just, it's too hard. Well, buckle up, buttercup, because it was never meant to be easy. And like Elena was saying, it comes with different seasons, different challenges, different obstacles. Every time you think you got it figured out, there's a new kid. Or every time you... <laughs> right? <laughs> or you think you got it figured out, there's a job change, or there's a job loss, or there's, you know... A libido change, or I mean, you pick pick one. There's there is challenges throughout, and what we want you to hear from us today is that if your marriage is hard, that's normal. But you have to do something about it. It doesn't. It's also the most rewarding thing, the most, the most rewarding relationship, because if you work together on it, how many know that when you when you have to put in some elbow grease for something, once that thing is completed, there's a sense of pride right? A healthy pride. There's a sense of accomplishment and fulfillment that comes when you put the work in. And, and I say this recognizing that we have a lot of people in this room that have gone through divorces, and there's no shame on you, okay? There's no condemnation on you. Unfortunately, life sometimes gets the better of us. Sometimes, for different reasons, things don't work out. And there are any number of things we could, we could speak to regarding that today. But what you need to, to hear from us today is about today forward, right? You can't live in the past. You can't look back and go what might have been or what should have been or what I could have done or what they could have done or should have done or whatever. That, yeah. That's in the past. What we're talking about today is you're in your current relationships and the ones that are in your future. What is going to be my mindset? What's going to be my commitment going forward? It's going to be hard work. And the last scripture I really want to leave you with before we, we close out is Ephesians 5 verse 25. And it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We have to give ourselves to each other. That's a selfless act. And it requires a lot of sacrifice, and it requires a lot of hard work. But like we've said today, it is so worth it. So worth it. Because at the end of it, you have a legacy that you're building. You have a future that you're building. In many cases, you're going to have kids that are going to reap the benefits of, of that investment and that hard work, and it's worth all the effort. Amen. Um, I want you guys all stand. We're going to, we'll stand with you. And prayer team, you can go ahead and come down to the front. Just a couple of things we wanted to share as we, as we close out today. Um, our, our burden for you today I think you've, you've kind of heard clearly, you know, that we want the best for you. 
And especially if you're current, currently married or maybe you're about to get married, to recognize that, that, that good marriages are hard work that are worth the work. And so when we dismiss here in a second, I want to invite you, if you're, if you're in this room and it doesn't matter what the need is, we'll have people come down for prayer for, for, for healing and for physical issues, for, for spiritual issues that are going on, maybe things that you're hitting in this holiday season because that tends to put stress on all of us. But I would encourage you, if you're a couple in this room and you just want prayer over your marriage, no matter where it's at, please come down and let us pray for you. Please come do that. Because if we'll take those steps toward God, he'll always meet us there. He's always working everything out for our good. And he can think these really difficult things. Elaine and I would have rather not gone through some of the things we've gone through, but by virtue of going through them, it's helped us grow together. And hopefully today it's helped show you some things and encourage you in a way that would spur you on to, to grow in your own marriages and your relationships. Yeah, one of the things as I was getting ready this morning, I got up and my alarm didn't go off and luckily his alarm went off and I was sitting there and I was getting ready and you know, one of the things I felt like the Lord really, really said is that within any marriage and relationship, it takes two people. It takes two people willing to work, willing to work together. One can, you know, one can work and one not work and it will not be successful. It takes two people working together from, like he said, from this moment on, no matter what was in the past, but today, today we're going to ask for forgiveness. Today, we're going to choose to make a difference because here's the thing. When God put you together as a married couple, it wasn't by an accident. It wasn't an accident. Accident. He put you together for a reason. He put you together to impact the kingdom of God. That's why he gave you each other. What are you doing? So I want to, like, as a challenge, as a couple, what are you doing with the gift that God's given you? You know, how are you pursuing the kingdom? And just know it takes two people. You both have to be working together to have a successful relationship, and you can do it. Yeah, just to also let you know, because it's important to us as a church, it's actually one of the things we've been working on through this last few weeks of elders and pastors retreats and prioritization for next year. Um, this church is going to take a big step and lean into our marriages in 2023. So you can text my marriage to 94,000 and you can let us know what you need. Um, if you need counseling, if you need talk to a pastor, if you need help, um, if you need a safe place, that's a place you can go. Uh, also, as we prepare for next year, and this is just to let you know what's coming. There'll be some workshops geared around uh, strengthening marriages. There'll be groups centered around uh, ministering to marriages specifically, helping you grow together. Not just marriage life groups where we do things, but, you know, other things. They're specifically targeting growing in our marriages and our relationships. If any of that interests you, uh, Pastor Bill and Pastor Lori are, are, are helping lead that, and Elaine and I are going to be in, working in that place as well. Uh, we have some marriage mentor couples that we've already been working with and training, getting ready for, for some of this. And so if you find yourself in a spot where you need help, it's okay to ask for help. But don't stay there by yourself. Let us walk alongside you. And so you can text my marriage to, to 94,000. And it, whatever you need, you can let us know there and we'll help you. Our promise is to follow up with you and to be a resource for you in whatever way you, that you need us. Amen. All right, so, so if you'll do that, we'll meet you wherever you're at. Uh, let's pray together as we just close out our time uh, today, this morning. Lord, thank you for days like these. 
And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just prick hearts and, and open doors of opportunity uh, for, for healing to occur, for marriages to be strengthened. Lord, for this church to come alongside those that need your help. I pray, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit would touch every mind, touch every heart, and that we would see you work supernaturally to heal, to deliver, to set free, to draw your sons and daughters closer together, Father. And so we just commit this time to you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience with us, Lord. We need that every day. We thank you that your mercies are new every single morning. And great is your faithfulness. And so we just seal our time today with the power of the Holy Spirit and a heart of gratitude and thanks. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Can you give God a praise as you're getting ready to, to head out today? All right. So now's the time. If you need prayer for anything, come down here and pray with, with, with some of these. If you don't, uh, remember, if you need help in your marriage, my marriage is 94000 Otherwise, be safe as you go about all the things this week. We're going to dig into the, the Christmas season. So watch out for the crazy people. They're everywhere. Uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you next week.